The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's with me today. Uh, This is a review that I'm going to read from Apple Podcasts, where we are currently the number eight football podcast in America. Um, This comes from uh, Timps. Quote, I am a Raleigh, North Carolina longtime listener. I am a WFT fan only, so I tend to skip through the Wiz, Maryland, and Caps talk. Of course, the football team talk is second to none. Great guests and fair insight. Love Tuesdays and Thursdays with Grumpy Lavero and the discussion <laughs> and the discussion on everyday topics such as covered bridges. Who goes on vacation to look at covered bridges? Kevin had me in tears making fun of Tom about this a few years ago. I do remember that conversation very much. Also love Cooley, although his shows tend to be longer. Well, yeah, because they're usually after a game. Um, One request, add more gambling talk. Ten minutes a week on smell tests is not enough. Thanks for all the hard work over the years. Go Skins. I will tell you, uh, Timps. Uh, thank you, by the way, for the five-star review and also um, the five-star rating you. and the one-to-two-sentence review, which is really like four sentences. I would also just remind everybody, I think I mentioned this recently, there's a follow button on Apple Podcasts. It's in the upper right-hand corner. There's a plus and a follow. If you're not following us, just click that button real quickly. That helps us as well. If you're listening on Spotify, the follow button is kind of mid-left side. Um, So if you click the follow button, that helps us a lot. Um, But I can't tell you how many times I read a tweet, an email, or one of these reviews. And people ask for like a daily smell test pick. Tommy, I have always considered the smell test to be more of a niche thing for the larger part of the audience also, it you know, I, I look, it's won a lot over the years. I understand that. Thank God, you know, it's like I think it's 12 out of 16 years or 11 out of 15 years winning years, including this past year. But it's really more about the segment itself and the conversation. And, you know, when I used to do it with you or Cooley, the, having fun with it. I just don't think that. If I put out a smell test every day on like 
basketball games and then baseball games during the summer, first of all, then it's kind of like, Sheehan, you're losing. You're killing me. On a Friday football segment, everybody understands it's football. We'll take it as kind of entertainment. Although I know a lot of people play my picks. I understand that. But if I started doing this as kind of like a tout service, then you start to anger people because they start to lose on your picks. And then their relationship with the smell test becomes much different. Like the smell test is still very much dating early marriage years because it's only for a portion of the calendar. If I were doing this every single day, I think people would want a divorce with the smell test. So I think less is more with the smell test. What do you think? I think you're right. I think it is. Even though uh, the dominance of sports gambling, I know, is all is all encompassing at this point. I've told you, we had you as a guest in the class that I teach at Georgetown, the business of sports media, because a good segment of that class we teach about sports gambling, because a lot of sports gambling companies are becoming media companies as well. It, that it's becoming like all encompassing, but look. We have a menu for success, and there's no reason <laughs> to, to basically change, add add a little, you know, uh, item here or there, a little appetizer, a new meal here or there to mess with that success. I'm sorry. I agree with you, and I get a lot of ideas from people. I get pushback from others, including people that I'm working with on this. You know, The Athletic is a partner of mine. They've been great, by the way, for the most part. Um, Actually, for the whole part. I shouldn't even say for the most part. That sounds like there's something wrong. I actually love The Athletic. I love it as a, as a subscriber and as a consumer, and I've loved working with them. They, they are doing a lot of our you know ad selling um, because they've got a bunch of podcasts. But a lot of the ideas come in all the time, and I'm like, look, I, if I... I'm always looking to make it better. We had this conversation recently, so I don't want to bore anybody. But right now, the menu that we have is pretty much par excellence. <laughs> yes. I don't know if yes. we want to F you know with what? it that much. Yes. I mean, listen. I mean, we're number in five in Bermuda be... right now. We're the number five football yeah, podcast that's... in Bermuda. Why would we want to mess with that? Same with Bahrain. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, and we're big in Ireland, too. We are big in well. Ireland. We are big in Ireland. Yes, we we're, are. We, we are big in Jordan. I think I've told you that before. Um, and and <laughs> think about this, everybody. We're giving you this for free. We're not charging you a dime. D- exactly. Not yet, anyway. I'm kidding. Um, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't John Kent Cook live in Bermuda? Or am I thinking about somebody else? I don't know. He might. He used to own a a newspaper in Key West for a while. I don't know if he lived in Key West. He may live in in the island somewhere, the Caribbean somewhere. I I don't know. I don't know where. I think I remember John Kent Cook moved to, you know, whatever house they had in Bermuda and has lived there ever since. I may be wrong about that. Um, It's too bad that he's not living here uh, after maybe his father had left him the team or given him a much easier way to buy the team in 1999. Yes. 
You know, we, we yeah. talked about some of the biggest mistakes over the last quarter century in franchise history. Um, you know, I always say the biggest single mistake that Snyder made was firing Marty Schottenheimer after a year. I'll, I'll stick with that for the most part as my number one. I mean, there are lots of others. I'm talking about football only. I'm not talking about toxic workplace culture. Don't jump all over me. But really, the most, um, the most hurtful incident is Jack Kent Cook not making it easy and basically making it impossible for his son to keep the team, for the team to stay in the family. And I don't know that we still to this day really understand why he did that. Do you know why? Uh, he, look, I mean, we have come to glorify Jack Kent Cook, he, you know, because he was the owner of a team that went to four Super Bowls and won three of them. Uh, and he did have a certain style about him, but uh, he was no angel, uh, and he could be really brutal and and bitter to people who knew him. Okay, uh, so uh, I mean at that that uh, you know I I think family relationships were always complicated for him. I mean, how many times did he marry? Three times? Four times? Yeah, every bit. You know. Of it. Uh, so I think he, he was he was a complicated guy who who didn't let his complications get in the way of his success, as opposed to the idiot who owns the team now. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean, let's let's remember now. I mean, I, look, we're talking we're look, talking about John Ken Cook as an, an alternative to Skipper Dan, and everybody looks good pretty much in that light, but. Uh, you know the the post. Uh, I mean those, those those years from ninety two to to ninety nine were not particularly good years for the franchise either. No, they weren't. When Gibbs left, no, they weren't. They were right. not. Right. Um, there, there was nothing but losing, pretty much. Uh, here's my theory, and I have a feeling that somebody out there listening really knows why, and maybe you'll you know um, send us the answer. I think that. Jack Kent Cook was self-made. And I think John Kent Cook, his son, and the son that passed, right, was um Ralph. Uh, was think. Ralph, because that's where Ralph John came yes. from, right? It, uh, the son Ralph and and John. Yes. And that maybe he just looked at his boys like, you know, kind of silver spooners. And that maybe he didn't have confidence in John to take the team over. And 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 keep it at the same heights. I don't know that. That's 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 just a theory, because Jack Kent Cook was self-made. Yes, yes, he was a Canadian guy who right who I think basically started out selling encyclopedias. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're right. Uh, he he was definitely self-made. That's for sure. Uh, how did we get on John Ken Cook? Oh, Bermuda. Uh, we're number five in Bermuda, number yeah. eight in the U.S. Yeah. in the in the football category. Uh, follow us on Apple and Spotify by hitting that follow uh, button and rate us and review us if you can. So, Tommy sent me. Um, we're going to get to the report card on the franchise on the show today, and we're get, we'll get to some sports on the show uh, as well. Um, Tommy sent me a video of karaoke night last night. Oh, my God. 
I mean, God bless Pretty good, your, huh? Bless your heart. I. By the way, this one. Come on, that was this. <laughs> that was good stuff. <laughs> um. Or, first of all, it was the first night of Tommy Purify. Well, tell everybody what that means. Okay. Well, I decided that since I have this part-time gig now as a performer, mm-hmm. I needed a stage name. Okay. Yeah. And I've always liked Tommy Purify. I know you have. I think that's a great name. You know, uh, I'm the lost Purify brother. There were there were these guys named James and Bobby Purify who had a hit song in the late 60s called I'm Your Puppet. And I always loved that name. And I thought, well, I'll be the lost Purify brother, Tommy Purify, who surfaces years later. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I changed my name on the, you know, there's a queue that you go into where you sign up to sing. And so I changed my name to Tommy Purify, and I was introduced as Tommy Purify last night. And, and so then well, I broke and, out a brand new song. Yeah, you did. You, it was called Cool Jerk. A great song. Yeah. Cool Jerk by the Capitals. Never, and I never I heard of them, but I, but I do know the cover of the song. Uh-huh. The Go-Go's I covered, didn't know there was a cover. The, the Go-Go's covered the song in the early 80s. Really? Yes, they did. But well, Tommy Purify covered the song in <laughs> in 2023, buddy. Yeah, I know you did. Um, I want to play this at the end of the show, like I've been doing, allowing people to hear your incredible voice. Um, okay. But the volume's not great on the recording that you sent. It's very, very low, and you're distant oh, from. You're distant from. I'm assuming Liz took the video of this. Uh, a member of my staff. An, a member of your staff. A member it. of my staff. And but they're yes. they're kind of far away from you, and the speakers in the joint weren't super strong. You didn't. So the my one comment is: Are you gonna? Are by the way, are you gonna tweet out this video or not? I don't know yet. <laughs> I might. I probably will. I, I probably will. Uh, but why would you even ask that question? Well, I was curious. I was curious about your level of confidence in it. I mean, you typically oh, don't oh, give that, a shit. That, no, no. This, this, this was my best ever. This it was. was this was your best ever. Yes. No. No. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, you you did. This is the best one. You didn't move a lot. You, there wasn't a lot of movement uh-huh. up there, and I know that you're you're not as mobile as you once were, <laughs> but you can you can dance. I've seen you dance. <laughs> and and you were not you were weren't really it was more kind of just standing up and singing with that incredibly high pitched voice that you have. Um, well, I, look, I'm just breaking into off, the business, and I haven't gotten, as well. I haven't gotten the whole thing of singing and dancing at the same time. I really want to concentrate on the singing part first. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're focused so on that, the. That's pretty much why. Well, that then maybe I would say then if you're just focused on the singing part. Right now, you're trying to get to be a better singer. We're probably at least a dozen videos away from you starting to dance a little bit. Because you, 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 you're a very confident singer. You are. You know, it's a little pitchy in spots. Um, I didn't think that the song was perfect for you. I think, you know, y- y- you singing a-, a harder rock song um, with a little bit more of conversation in it uh, works for you better. So, uh, you know, this was not your best performance. <laughs> well, 
Well, I'm sorry. Mr. You know Mis- what? Mr. My, American Idol. My, my crowd, my followers, my peeps, they thought it was my best. Did they? Okay. I mean, if yes. I'm Simon Cowell, I'm there probably saying not the right song. You probably could do better. Um, man, do you think... Honestly, do you, what do you think you are? Do you think you're a you're where are you on the level of voice? That's interesting. Uh, I'm not a bass. I can tell you no, that. No, you're not a bass. <laughs> you're not whatever. But is, I'm not a soprano. You're not. I'm, I'm an alto, maybe. No, not, I don't think I'm a soprano. What? What's not when I sing? Okay. <laughs> no, you. I hit, think I'm an alto. You hit maybe. some high. You hit some high notes there. Okay. Okay. You're upset with my review. I can tell. No, I'm not. No, don't believe me. You you can't change what I witnessed yesterday at Kenny D's well, on Miramar Beach. Was the crowd really into it? Yes, they were. Okay, well then send out the video and get some yes, comments they were. I on was, it. I was I was slapping five as I walked I walked away. Well, I mean, Maybe. if you like like I had, if you hold your hand up, everybody's going to slap it. No, 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 no. It wasn't me. Uh-huh. It was it was the crowd as I walked by. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I It was like you walking down the hall of your studio after you're done with a podcast. I, I think I think I've seen better from you, but um here's what I, I've got to give you all the credit in the world for. You're not afraid. You'd be one hell of a backup quarterback. You are not afraid to step up <laughs> when they're holding the mic saying, whose turn is it? You're ready to roll. You got a lot of courage there. Uh, well, I've only got one week left uh, in, in my, uh, in, in my well, run why here. Why can't you do it in I, Frederick? Why can't you do it in Frederick? I, I'll tell you why. Because in Frederick, you're not outside in short sleeves That's with true. a palm tree That's behind true. you. That's Feeling really good okay. about yourself, yeah, with a couple of red stripes yeah. in you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's, it's not the same atmosphere. No. Uh, then I'm just some idiot, <laughs> you know, from Frederick singing, you know, on a Friday night <laughs> with, a, with a rest of the group of bunch of idiots. Right. Yeah. Down here, baby, I'm somebody. I'm a star. Right. Here comes Urbana Zone, Tommy Purify. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh I did. We're going to get to. I got one other thing. Okay, go ahead. I got one other thing. Yeah. I got one thing. It's a food thing. I know, you know, you like talking about food things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you like Monte Cristo sandwiches? Um, what's that? Uh, is that ham, um, egg cheese, or is that, is that, no, that's the, um, yeah. croque monsieur or croque madame. What, what is it's, it's, it's ham and something. I don't know what it is. Okay, specifically, it is uh, it's uh, egg dipped or batter dipped ham and cheese mm. that is pan or deep fried. Mm. It is a variation of that French uh, dish you just mentioned. Yeah, the croque monsieur, okay. the croque madame, whatever, yes. which whichever one, yeah. Yes, okay. it is for me. Okay, it's it's one of my favorite meals. Oh yeah, it's great. Here's what I don't get. Yeah, what I don't get. There's some kind of mystery to it because most places don't have it. And when they do have it, they have all kinds of rules about it. What do you mean? There was a place down there was a place down here that, that sold it, but they only sell it for a couple of weeks of the year and they don't do it sell it on weekends on their menu. 
and now they've stopped selling it. They're done till next year. Well, it's That's not a, it. it's certainly not a seasonal item. No, it's not. I don't go, I don't understand why. There there's a there's one place in Frederick, one place that I found that sells it. Mm-hmm. But it's not on their it's not on their menu all the time and it depends what day of the week it is. I mean, there's this mystery involving Monte Cristo and it's such did you ever have a Bennigan's Monte Cristo sandwich? Did I ever have a what? Bennigan's. Remember Bennigan's? The uh, <laughs> yes, fast food chain? I, I do remember Bennigan's, yes. I took a girl okay. on a date to Bennigan's when I was like 19 years old or 20 years old. I remember that. There was one right in Chevy Chase near the um, uh, near the like old Lord and Taylor or whatever there in Friendship Heights. Um, well, they had, by, by the way, uh, they had, uh, by the way, she, after taking her to Bennigan's, she was not fired up for another date. I probably should have done better than that. But the reason I did it, I remember specifically was we had been there with a bunch of friends met uh, getting drinks before heading out for the night. And that's where I met this particular girl that night. And I said, why don't we just meet at Bennigan's and have drinks and go from there? But anyway, I do remember Bennigan's, yes. Just like I remember TGIF Friday and all those other, you know, chain places. Right. Yeah. Well, Bennigan's had a Monte Cristo sandwich that <laughs> yeah. was a death row meal. Oof. In other words, what would like your death you row meal death be? Row? What would your death row meal oh, be? A Monte Cristo? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a Bennigan's Monte Cristo. Not Ooh. any Monte Cristo. Wow. Bennigan's, Bennigan's mm. Monte Cristo. And now they're gone. They're all closed up. They're gone. You know? And uh, this place, Harry T's down in Destin, served a sandwich that was pretty similar. Not as good, but pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. Until next next January. Oh, that doesn't mean... It, it, well, it's not moving, probably, as much as they'd like it to move. I mean, if you and were when down... I Google, when I Google in Frederick... You know, Monte Cristo sandwiches near me. The only place that comes up is this place I told you about that doesn't have it on all their menus. It's just, I mean, it's a great sandwich and nobody sells it. Um, I can tell you, you, you can go, um, I mean, all of the French restaurants all will sell those croque messieurs, croque madames. You know, I don't know which one has the egg and which one doesn't or whatever, or has the sauce, whatever kind of sauce it's called, like a Mornay or something like that, whatever it is. Um, but they all have those sandwiches because my boys love those. Whenever we go to this place called Mon Ami Gabi, which is in Bethesda, it's a chain restaurant, but it's actually really good. It's good. Um, it's right there on Woodmont Avenue. And for brunch, they have that always available. God, they actually have a really good brunch. I, I'm fam- since you have spent time in Louisville, because that's how it's pronounced if you're from Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. Uh, and you were there at the Muhammad Ali Museum, I think, a year ago. It may have been a year ago. Um, have yeah, you, it was a year ago. Have you ever had the hot brown at the Brown Hotel? Yes, I did. That's a sandwich. Yeah, I, I didn't have it at the... I didn't have it at the Brown Hotel, but I had a hot brown while I was in Louisville. Oh, That's yeah. That's pretty good. That is a good I mean, sandwich. That, if, if I couldn't order the Monte Cristo, the Bennigan's Monte Cristo, that would work. But, it, it, I mean, it's not my top one. But you're right. That's a good one. That hot brown Absolutely. is, for those that don't know, and I'm pulling it up here just so I get it exactly right. 
Um, the last time I had a hot brown was the last time I was in Louisville, which was for the Maryland Sweet 16, the one Sweet 16 that my guy made it to um, when they lost to Kansas in the Sweet 16. Um, and I went down for that Sweet 16, and I was with one of my sons, or were two of them with me? I forget. But I said, before you know, we leave here, I'm going to take you guys to the Brown Hotel, and we're going to have a hot brown, because Tommy, Louisville was a place that I actually, in my former professional life, spent a lot of time in. Um, Winn-Dixie, I've told you that they were a big client of ours. They had a lot of stores in Louisville, and so I spent some time there, and I that that's when I discovered the sandwich. And any, every time I've been back to Louisville since... It's a, it's a given. That sandwich is an open-faced turkey breast and ham and bacon sandwich covered in creamy Mornay sauce and baked and or broiled until the bread is crisp and the sauce begins to brown. Cheddar cheese oh, or American cheese may be added for the sauce. Uh, you can also get mushrooms, and very rarely people use canned peaches on the sandwich. I don't remember canned peaches and quite honestly, and I love mushrooms. I don't remember mushrooms being a part of it, but that open faced Turkey with the ham, with the bacon and that Mornay sauce over that bread. That's kind of toasty and crispy. Oh my God. That is a knife and fork sandwich, by the way, it is not a pickup sandwich because right. basically right. it's smothered in the sauce. Um, but that thing is outstanding. God, it almost makes me want to just go to Louisville. Why can't we get a hot brown up in Frederick? Um, you know, I, I had a hot brown in Adams Morgan once. I forget the name of the restaurant. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the first time I ever had one. But huh. It was at a restaurant in Adams Morgan, but I don't remember. It was many years ago. Uh, many years ago. But, I mean, hey, if anyone out there is selling uh, Monte Cristo... That's worth eating. Please tell me where I can go get it. Tell me where I can get a hot brown if I, without going to Louisville. I'd like to know that. By the way, speaking of Adams Morgan, um, I gotta. I'm trying to come up with the name of the place. I I can't come up with the name of the place. But my son, who lives down in that general area, brought home uh, the other day some ice cream from this ice cream place down there that I swear to God is some of the best ice cream I've ever eaten. And I want to give it proper credit here, but I can't remember the name of it, but they had a sea salt caramel caramel and also a girl scout cookie chocolate number and a coffee that was just perfect. It's better than anything I think I've tasted in a while when it comes to sweets, you don't really care about sweets, no. um, but no. I have don't to, do it for me. I have to come up with the name. I could text them right now and edit it in, but I don't feel like doing that. All right, do you have any other uh, anything non sports related to get into? Let's let's get through all of that right now. No, that's everything on my menu of uh, uh, my, my that portion of my menu of excellence. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to get to the Washington report card thing next, but I just wanted to mention, yes, I watched the Maryland game last night, of course. I said on the podcast yesterday, beware if you think that point spread, Ohio State getting a point looks sketchy. It is. And by the way, Ohio State went off as a one-point favorite in some places last yeah. night. So before the game started, 
I knew that Maryland was in trouble, you know, based on the way I view these things. And my my uh, the, the group of friends that are also uh, gamblers text message one uh, text message group with Tim Murray and Steve Sands on it. Both of them texted, "Uh oh." When they saw that Maryland was only a one-point favorite, they went to a one-point dog before tip. So again, these are the games, and I've you know I can't make you play Ohio State last night, but I think I should be able to convince you not to play Maryland. Just sit back; you didn't you didn't need to be on the game. You could just watch it and hope. But um, in all seriousness, as it relates to the Terps losing last night at Ohio State, the Big Ten is brutal. Tommy. It is brutal. There is one bad team, Minnesota, and everybody else you play, when you play them in their place, especially last night, senior night, Terps kind of got screwed with the schedule. They're playing two senior night games on the road. They're pl- they played Ohio State last night and they get Penn State over the weekend. They had their senior day at home against Northwestern, which they won on Sunday. But, you know, usually you only have to play one road senior night game. Um, here's the one thing, I'll, uh, my biggest takeaway from the game last night. I think they've played so well recently, even in losses, and I thought last night was the first game in at least a month that they didn't play well. I thought that they were um, bullied around a little bit. I don't want to hear about the bad calls either, although the tech on Kevin Willard, I still can't get an explanation on why he got teed up early in the game. Uh but I thought they got bullied a little bit. I don't think they defended uh, as well as they've been defending. I think they really went after Jameer Young to try to take him out of out of his game, and it worked. Um, and it was, I thought, the least impressive performance from Maryland in over a month. So I was a little bit disappointed in that. I had a feeling they were in trouble last night based on the point spread. Um, but they, you know, uh, they had played well on the road. You know, at Purdue, at Michigan State, at Nebraska, you know, over the last several weeks, even though they lost those games, I thought that they had played well. I thought that they got punked a little bit last night by Ohio State. And Maryland's been the tougher team in most of their games. They finish up with Penn State on Sunday, and, you know, they have a chance right now to drop pretty significantly in the Big Ten standings if they don't beat Penn State. And that's not going to be easy. Penn State's won, I think, four out of its last five. They beat Northwestern last night on the road. Um, So that's their senior day Sunday. Won't be easy. I'd expect Maryland to be an underdog in that game when we get to it. And if they lose, they could end up being like the seventh or eighth seed in the Big Ten tournament. If they win, they still have a pretty good shot to be in the top four and get the double bye. Um, It's not impacting their NCAA tournament hopes. I've already mentioned to you um, and everybody else, they are a lock. It doesn't matter what happens um, on Sunday or in the Big Ten tournament. They are an absolute lock uh, to make the NCAA tournament. But seeding is taking a hit right now with the loss last night, and then Sunday will be big. But that's all I got on the Terps. I'm assuming that you were in mid-cool jerk during the game. Yes, I did some other songs too besides last night besides Cool Jerk, but that was that was the big one. Well, maybe it was the That's other the songs the that got out. you the standing ovation. Nope. Nope. <laughs> we'll get nope. to we'll get to report card time uh next right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tommy just asked me about my date at Bennigan's, and I told him that, you know, I remember something about the girl. I remember she was a tremendous athlete. Um, She was a track star in high school and in college. And I do remember that she had braces. And you said to me, tell tell everybody what you said to me. Presumably they were on their teeth, right? (laughs) Yes, they were on her teeth. They were not on her legs. Um, Not that there would have been anything wrong with it. But no, she, when I when I said she, I, my memory is that she had braces, they were braces on her teeth. Yes, okay. they were okay. on her teeth. Uh, this segment just wanted to clear that up that she was a track star, you know? Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. You shouldn't have even had to ask after I told you that she was a track star. I mean, you know, unless oh, listen, you, unless or, you were thinking about Gump, braces somewhere or, else. Boris Gump was a track star, and he used to wear braces. <laughs> yeah, but those braces came off when he was running. Remember, they just popped off. <laughs> um, yes, and did. by the way, this girl was not as attractive as Jenny was. Because Jenny it was a true uh, superstar. Oh, that, that's, that's Robin. That's Robin Wright. That's Robin Wright. Uh, one know, of the goddesses. Robin Wright Penn there for one a while. One of the goddesses. Oh. Yes, she's, she's a goddess. She's still gorgeous. Still. Yes, she is. Um, Absolutely. She's not married. She, 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 I mean, she and Sean Penn, they divorced, right? I'm pretty I sure. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Is she remarried? I don't know. Hmm. Should we look it up? Sure. I mean, um, she was in, I didn't watch House of Cards, but she was in I House of I Cards. I didn't watch House of Cards either. Um, yeah. No, she is, oh, she, she married after Sean Penn. She's been married and divorced now three times. She has two kids, one of them, it would appear, with Sean Penn, who's been okay. spending a lot of time, I've noticed recently, over in the Ukraine with Zelensky. Yes. Um, all right. Yes. So this segment of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will provide you with something that most books don't provide you with, and that is winner after winner. No, that's my job. Uh, What they are going to provide you with, though, is the opportunity to cash in and cash out quickly. And that is unique uh, in the sportsbook world. You make one deposit, you wager that deposit one time, and you're eligible to cash out immediately. Perfect for, like, the NCAA tournament. 
uh, where you may just want to bet on a few games and then, you know, move on to whatever you're going to do over the summer before football season. But go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and take advantage of that offer. So the NFL Players Association surveyed 1,300 NFL players, asked them a bunch of questions about the their own team, this was not something where players uh, commented or answered qu- questions about other teams. They answered questions about their own teams. Um, and these results were made public yesterday in the form of a report card that um, that basically ranked the teams and their facilities and their resources 1 through 32 in the NFL. Now, just to give you an idea, some of the categories, treatment of families, how the organization treats their families, food service and nutrition, weight room, strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, team travel. Washington, Tommy, finished 32nd out of 32 teams. And here was what was written about this. The Washington Commanders are ranked 32nd last in our team guide. Besides the strength coaches who received great feedback, and they did. The strength coaches, Engelhart and some of those guys received very high grades. But the rest of it, basically, they finished in the bottom of the league. Uh, The rest of the club's operations, operations and facilities were rated by player respondents at the bottom of every single category. The locker room does not have confidence that club owner Dan Snyder is willing to invest to upgrade the facilities as players' responses rank him 31st in that in that category. By the way, Michael Bidwell ranked below Dan Snyder in confidence his he team charges, he, he charges his players for meals. For meals, charges them for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. That, that may be coming if Dan <laughs> keeps well the team. Um Continuing with the overview, players had significantly more concerns with each area of the facility than the player respondents on any other team. For example, they were the team most consistently identified as having an understaffed training room. Players also reported that they have some some of the smallest hot and cold tubs for players, recovery, and only 35% of the players feel like they have enough personal space in their locker room. Finally, there are complaints of lack of warm water and issues with poor drainage in the showers. Only 22% of players feel like they have enough space on team flights, and the Commanders are one of six teams in the NFL that make a segment of their players have roommates before games, and one of seven teams in the NFL that do not offer their players first-class seats. Now, the grades given by the Washington players for these categories were as follows. Treatment of families... F, last in the league. Food service and nutrition, D+. Weight room, C+. Strength coaches, A+. Training room, F-. Training staff, D. Locker room, F-. Team travel, F-. There's more detail to this, but needless to say, the players that play on the team aren't overly impressed with the team that they are playing for. When it comes to these kinds of categories of, of, you know, a lot of this is facility based and availability to certain things to, you know, 
train them and keep them healthy and keep them fed, et cetera. But it's funny, somebody um, uh, tweeted me and said, you mentioned the other day that they have skimped on travel in recent years as an indication of the Don Van Natus story, you know, and and the, the financial trouble and the cash flow issues that they've had. Yes, they have traveled in, in a much different way, I've been told now, for several years. Uh, whereas those first 10 to, to 12 to 15 years when Dan Snyder was here, the, the facilities weren't great, but they traveled in a first-class way. Not anymore. What's your takeaway from this? Well, you know, for most sports franchises, in the off-season, if you had a story like this land, this would be the worst day of their off-season. <laughs> for the commanders, <laughs> it's just Wednesday. Yeah. That's all it is. It's another day in the week of the calendar that can't get past zero when it comes to days without a fuck up. Just can't do it. Um, I mean, it's just it's just stunning that this this followed this followed the, the Van Atta story, which followed the Washington Post story. I mean, it's it's it is. Look, if you're exhausted as a fan, imagine people who have to make sense of this. And try to try to to consume it, uh, you know, so you can understand it. I mean, it's 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 exhausting. It it, it it's literally exhausting. It's got to be exhausting for everybody involved. I think that's uh, I think that's just, true, but it's also exciting because it's coming to an end. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But uh, but you know, uh, the big question is when. You know, when everyone wants to know when. I think soon. But when? I think soon. You know? I think soon too. Did you read Sally the other day? Yeah, that was pretty good. That was a pretty good <laughs> takedown of Goodell and and the other NFL owners. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's this line. Yeah. Hold on, I, I want to find it so I quote it directly. Um, she uh, was was referring to a Jerry Jones quote about sort of negotiation or you know uh, because they remember that. The Post story the other day said that the league wants Jerry Jones to kind of broker a peaceful ending to all of this. And they think that Jerry's the guy that can get through to Dan. Here it is. Um, Jerry Jones once said um, about dealing, described his philosophy in dealing with problems. Quote, it's kind of for me like sitting in a bar and over the back of your shoulder, you see 300 pounds coming. And whatever you've done, you've made it mad. Whatever you said or whatever you did or whoever you winked at, you made them mad. The mistake would be to jump in front of it and try to mess with it. The smooth thing to do would be to step up matador style, take him by the shirt, and escort his momentum into the jukebox. (laughs) So she writes at the very end about the league... um, Well, I'll read the whole last paragraph. The owners have Snyder by the shirt. That $450 million debt ceiling from the league wasn't pure generosity. It gives the owners leverage. By the way, I would debate as to whether or not they gave that to him because they knew it would give him leverage in the future. But but whatever. 
So she continues um, in terms of it gives the owners leverage. So so does the Mary Jo, right, uh, Mary jo White report into the allegations that he's a sexual harasser, and so does an ongoing criminal investigation of his finances. Meeting Snyder's demands never works. He inflicts maximum hell on anyone who accommodates him because he mistakes it for suckerdom. After accommodating him for years, perhaps now Goodell, Jones, and the other owners realize that. They allowed him to take a whole organization captive, looking the other way as Snyder made victims of his workforce and dupes of his customer base. Victims of his workforce and dupes of his of his customer base. And he responded by taking the league captive too. And now the only way to get rid of him uh, get rid of him is to throw him into the jukebox. Um, I think that that's what they want to do, but they want to try to dance with him a little bit to see if he can be escorted uh, out of there with some level of peace. But anyway, um, I thought of, in reading this report card, I thought of my favorite line from you of maybe all time. You know, in terms of the players and their feelings about the organization that they're working for. My favorite Tommy line of all time was when DJ Swearinger got cut on Christmas Eve 2017 or 2018, whatever year that was. And he was, you know, he was basically calling out Jay Gruden and calling out everybody. And he, he, had, he had become a problem. And they cut him. And Tommy said, if they really wanted to punish him, they wouldn't have cut him. They would have made him stay. <laughs> and that's kind of what this report card indicates with the players that are here. It's like the the pure pun- the punishment for these players is staying in this organization. And it's always been that way. By the way, I think there's a difference in the organization now. Whatever you think about Ron Rivera, okay? Ron Rivera is actually in Jack Del Rio. They're respected and liked by a lot of the players. I do believe that. Um, I believe that they're respected by a lot of the players and coaches from around the league. That's why John Allen Allen was willing to stay here. You know, for so many years, it's been always an issue of, well, you can only get the people with money or the people who don't have better options. That's been proven a little bit wrong, not a lot wrong. They're still, they've still missed out, I'm sure, on a lot of people over the years because agents know what a shit show this place uh, has been. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think the question I would ask you, and then I'll answer it as well, do you think this hurts them? Does this really hurt the organization, this you know, public uh, confirmation of what a disaster it is to work there. Yeah, I think it. I think it hurts. Look, I, I'm thinking that Ron Ron Rivera is a normal human being, as well as some of the other coaches. And now their embarrassment is public. Now they're they're basically. I mean, they have to show up, and he has to stand at at at, at the podium at the combine, knowing that the rest of the league thinks that these these guys are like the bus terminal of the NFL. Yeah, I, I think it does hurt the organization. As much as it, it's seemingly immune from being hurt because it's bleeding from every possible place it could bleed from, uh, I think it does. I think it reflects, look, as much as you say about 
Ron Rivera, he's the guy in charge of the football operation. Yeah, but most of these are about expenditures that the owner hasn't made. Most training, training, training staff. Well, I that's mean, been, that's, that's true. been an ongoing that, problem. That's fine. Yeah, the DEA came in. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. We forget. We forget. And this is a story that's never really been tracked down. We forget that the, the trainer from I forget the Gary's the guy's name Larry something. What the uh, one that the from, one that the DA uh, pulled out? Did the DEA no, came no, in and no, got? No, 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 no. That's that was Ron's guy. You're talking about Bubba uh, Tire? The guy before. No, no, who, no, the no, came no. In? The guy who got oh. who got all the records stolen out of his car oh, at the yes. NFL Combine right. a few years ago. Well, no, that's Ryan Vermillion. I mean that's. No, it's not. It's before Vermillion. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And I forget his name. But, uh, I mean, that should have been a huge scandal. I mean, Jesus Christ, medical records taken out of the back of your car for all these players. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, we forgot about that. Yeah, we did. That's like forgot. So, so this, is, this is reflective uh, on, on the guy in charge of football. What was that guy's you know? name? I mean, he... I forget Larry something or another. Uh, he was the what, he was the trainer when the Trent Williams stuff was. Going I know, on. I know. That's what's bugging me here that I can't come up with with yeah. his name. Um, yeah, but uh, so yeah, I think this does uh, it. It does impact on them. On them, uh, they may feel like they're used to it. They probably feel like, oh, you know, I mean, what can they do to us that they haven't done to us before? But every every little bit takes its toll. Well, so I, this this is what I found interesting from reading this report and looking at other teams as well. So Washington was 32nd, and then Arizona was 31st. But then after that, the Chiefs were 29th. The Chargers were 30th. The Rams were 25th. The Bucks were 26th. The Bengals were 27th. I don't think, look, with respect to Washington, it may be different because it already comes with, you know, a majorly stained reputation. Yes. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. I know that. But I, I don't think the, the top five teams on this list, the places with the most luxury and comfort, are Minnesota, Miami, the Raiders, the Texans, and the Cowboys. None of those teams have won anything of note forever. The teams at the bottom of the list take, you know, Arizona and Washington out of the equation. Actually, Arizona went to the playoffs two years ago. Everybody else has been to the playoffs in the last two years. The Chiefs, obviously. The Bengals, obviously. The Rams, the Bucks, the Pats. The Patriots were 24th. And then the Jags are 28th. And they, you know, they were in the second round of the playoffs. And the Chargers were 30th. So I, I I think this is definitely kind of an old school, you know, if you pamper your employees too much, it's not necessarily a good thing. Perhaps, you know, from the Doc Walker school of I'm only looking for players who grew up in homes without air conditioning, and without garages, you know, like I don't know that it actually means anything with respect to winning. And and I think there are people out there listening that would highly debate that because they'll say, well, you can't attract the best players if if you've got the shittiest place to work. 
except that the Chiefs are 29th on this list and all they do is win. The most important thing that you have are good people, smart people on your staff, and then you find great players specifically at the quarterback position. And then if you're Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, uh, Tom Brady in Tampa, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, Justin Herbert in, in L.A., you can overcome that as an organization and still win. Yes. Like this is not an indication yes, of whether or not you can win or not. No, but, you know, but, but it does speak in some ways, particularly with this team, okay, we always heard that Dan Snyder will spend whatever it takes to win. Right. Okay. And this would indicate that that's kind of bullshit. Uh, because this is, this is not, unlike other things, all the stuff we talked about here, there's no salary cap on any of this. Right. There's nothing stopping an owner from spending whatever he wants on this material here. You know, you just you just hit on something that's so true. Number one, all of this, all of the last few days, uh, the flurry of news over the last few days, including this thing, just confirms what a lot of us have known for a while, but probably didn't emphasize enough, even though we've talked about it a lot. And that is, they've had major cash flow uh, cash flow problems in this organization, and this organization has been rinky dink. Um, even more so than it it was ever uh, in the first ten to fifteen years of Snyder's ownership. Secondly, when you say you know, there's always been this thing. Dan just wants to win, and he'll do whatever it takes to win, and he'll spend whatever, and that's a better position. I remember for many years as we sat here and we talked about they're never going to win as long as he owns a team. You know, before the last few years, there there was a contingent out there that would say, "Look, you could end up having a worse owner that doesn't want to spend any money. At least you've got an owner that wants to win." That was always kind of like the pushback. At least you've got an owner that desperately wants to win. And we would say, yeah, but if he desperately wanted to win, he'd actually, you know, learn from all of his mistakes, but he never could admit that he made any mistakes. So that's why he's never going to win. But in terms of spending money, no, Th- those days are long gone. And by the way, if somehow he digs his heels in and keeps the team, kiss ev- any chance of winning completely goodbye, even, even for a year. Yeah. Because you're just not going to yep. be able to attract anybody to this place. And, no, and by the way, absolutely not. I think one of the big things that's missed from this, and it, they were not polled on this, but one of the things that would make Washington truly repulsive to think about as a place to play is that, my God, they have no fans. They play in a, in a terrible stadium that's falling apart and they have the lowest attendance, and it's, it's some games. It's like there are no fans actually rooting for them. And I know that there are other places yeah. in recent years that have been pretty bad with respect to opponents' fans, but nothing is equal to Washington. And players, you know, that have choices are like, do I want to go play in a place where you have no home field? It's a shitty stadium. You get no fans, and yet you you'll hear John Allen, who is top shelf when it comes to character say this is the greatest you know fan base of all time no it's not john you were at alabama you played the facilities at alabama were 10x compared to washington and the fans and their passion were 100x compared to washington but he always says the right thing right right uh look i found the name of that trainer 
It was Larry Hess. Larry Hess. God damn. Yeah. Man. Larry yeah. Hess. He, he was course. there for 17 years. Of course, yes. Okay? Yeah. And, and you'll appreciate this. This is funny. He got fired in, at the end of December of, the, of 2019. And here's the headline from NBC Sports Washington. Firing Larry Hess shows that Redskins are committed to changing the culture. Where was this headline? NBC Sports Washington. (laughs) Firing Larry Hess shows that the Redskins are committed to changing the culture. (laughs) And the next guy they hired had got investigated by the DEA. Yeah. Yeah. And now they had to go back to that guy who was here in the 80s, Bellamy, who apparently I've been told is the... I've heard he's just an absolute gem of a person. He's a terrific guy. Yeah. I mean, he was the assistant trainer when Bubba was there, when I covered the team. Right. He's a great guy. Yeah. He was at Temple University for many years. Right. After that. All right. A couple of other things to finish up when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelly's back room. Well, you know, my, my time down here in Florida is winding down to a close. Uh, we've got about 10 or 9 days left uh, to I have to head back to uh, Ice Station Frederick, which has not really been Ice Station Frederick this winter. Uh, as I understand, it's been a pretty mild winter. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to some spring weather uh, when I get back, but I'm really looking forward to getting back to my home away from home, Shelly's back room. Right. Uh, you know, maybe more so than my actual condo. And here's why. Uh, Shelly's has, has better TVs. They've got eight large screen, high definition TVs. That's much better viewing than what I've got at home. They might even have better furniture than, than what I've got at home. They've got these great, you know, uh, overstuffed chairs and cozy couches and, uh, you know, it may be, to be honest with you, better than my place. I mean, it's that nice. And then the best part is they have a very attentive staff that, you know, will see for all your needs. 
And I got to tell you, my staff at the condo is not quite as attentive sometimes. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so I, I'm looking forward to getting back home, and the place I'm looking forward to getting back home to the most is Shelly's Back Room at 1331 F Street Northwest. That's And awesome. have a smoke and a drink. That's awesome. Um Great place. Uh, it really is fun. And, you know, you can go in there with family members or you can drop them off at the museum and then head to <laughs> Shelley's and hang out with the gang there. Uh, so I, I wanted to end with um, this because I think this will actually be interesting to you. So I know we've talked, I think, you know, a time or two about just some of the individual scoring performances of the year in the NBA. You know, Damian Lillard the other night had 71. That's the second 71-point performance of the season. Donovan Mitchell, you know, had the other one. I mean, so far in 2023, um, you have had – hold on, let me get the list up here again. Sorry about that. Um, So far in 2023, you've had Mitchell go for 71, Lillard go for 71, and Lillard also went for 60. Last year, in 2022, you had three 60-point performances. Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic. Um, In 21, you had a 62, 60, and 60-point performance. Uh, Last night, Jalen Brunson, who, Tommy, your Knicks, okay, your team, the team you played for, um, the Knicks uh, won their seventh straight game, and Jalen Brunson had 39 points, 30 in the first half, and he was 15 of 18 on the night. He has been absolutely killing it. And last night you had more 40-point-plus performances than any night this year. Lillard had four, uh, 41 for Portland last night. Brandon Ingram had 40. Um, uh, Donovan Mitchell had 44. Jason Tatum had 41. Zach Levine had 41. Um, it's the most this year in 40-point performances uh, in one night in the NBA. So before I get to the list, you know, and and we start talking about Wilt, because that's where I want this conversation to go, I, I remember when you and I were doing a show, we did this thing, you know, you heard it here first. And I remember specifically two very long-term predictions that I had. I said, number one, and this was rather, um, you know, morbid, but I said, somebody's going to die on an NFL field. I mean, it's awful to say that given what we saw with Buffalo and Cincinnati um, and DeMar Hamlin. But I remember making that prediction because the game was getting just wildly physical with incredible athletes. And the other thing I predicted was that um, we're going to see a 70-yard field goal at some point. Well, neither one of those two. Thankfully, the first one hasn't come true. And the second one hasn't come true. But I do think somebody's going to kick a 70-yard field goal. But I was on radio this morning talking to my producer, Denton. And Denton said to me, um, what do you think will come first? The next 100-point game, all right, you know, t- the, the, the Wilt uh, record of 100, will somebody ever top Wilt? Are we headed in that direction? Or something I had mentioned to him during a break, a 100-point half. Because last night the Knicks had 81. We've already had two 90-point-plus halves, first halves in games the last two years. And I said – I think we're going to see a 100-point half by a team, and I don't think Wilt's record will ever be matched. Even in the game that's being played right now, which is just prolific scoring right now, 
and individual scoring. Players don't play as many as many minutes as Wilt played. So it's going to be much harder to get to Wilt's 100 for an individual performance. But I think we're going to see a 100-point first half uh, at some point in the next few years, which is amazing. I don't think we'll see a 200-point game because if you've got 100 in the first half, it's probably not a close game, so you'll score a lot less in the second half. But we saw a game last Friday night end 176 to 175 in double overtime, the Clippers and the Kings, second highest scoring game right. of all time. So which do you think will happen? I guess really the question for you is, do you think Wilt's 100 will ever be matched or exceeded by an individual? Well, it's interesting that you discuss this because today is the 61st anniversary of the day that Will scored 100 points. Oh, my God, it is. I'm looking at the date right now. It didn't even occur to me. Good job. Yes. Yes. Yeah. March 2nd, uh, 1962 at the Hershey Sports Arena. Sonny Jurgensen was there. Yeah, Sonny was there with the Redskins basketball team. They played a charity game before. The the Eagles basketball team. Oh, the Eagles basketball right. team. You're right. Yeah, he was playing for the Eagles. That would have been the Eagles. Yeah. Yes. So, Sonny was a good basketball player. As Excellent. You know, uh, yeah. And a terrific athlete. But, uh, no, I don't think Wilt's record is, is ever going to be broken. Uh, you know, because, well, one thing, I mean, I mean, the term load management means players, you know, I mean, it, you're right. They don't play as many minutes. They don't play as many games. Uh, and I just think that the uh, – it's just not going to get broken. It, it's it's an unbreakable record. I mean, we're talking about, you know, we're still talking about 30, 29, 30 points away from from what Wilt did. Uh, so uh, I would say I would agree with you that the 100-point half is much more likely than Wilt's record ever be broken. Will- and you know what's amazing about those, those scoring numbers are impressive considering the level of defense that they play in the game today. <laughs> I mean, that's the most impressive part, um, you know? Yeah. I, I do think – And, and, and the know. rugged and, – and, and the grueling schedule that some of these players have to play, like playing every other game or, you know, playing three games and taking a game off. I mean, that's not easy. No, it's not. Hangnail, no. we're out two weeks. Um Yeah. You know it's amazing in looking at the single game highest um you know best performances of all time is this list is just dominated by Wilt Chamberlain. I mean he had the 100. Yeah. All right, that's the most. Kobe's 81 everybody knows. I think most people know is the second best individual scoring performance of all time. Then Wilt's got number 3 with 78. He's got number 4 with 73. He's got number 4 tied for fourth with 73. And the other player tied for fourth with 73 is the great David Thompson, who did it on the final night of the season in 1978 when he and George Gervin, the Iceman, were battling it out for the scoring title. And earlier in the day, Gervin went for 63... And Thompson needed, you know, something like 67 or something to, to, to win the scoring title. And he went out and got 73 on the same day. That's, that's, that, by the way, should be a 30 for 30. You know, something about that You're particular right. day. You're absolutely right. Um, then it's Wilt again at 72. Elgin had 71. David Robinson had a 71 game. Then you got the 71s this year with Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard. Then it's Wilt. 
Booker, Jordan, Wilt, Maravich, Wilt, 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 Wilt. I mean, now I'm down to 65 points. I mean, the number of games that this guy had of like 60 or more, are you kidding me? Like, this guy is just, there's no player in the history of team sports who is the outlier statistically that Wilt is. Nobody. No. Nobody. I mean, in other words, when you, you, when you argue errors, when you argue, you know, quality of opponents, when you are so overwhelming, I mean, that you just, like, overwhelm the game. I mean, just consume it. It's your game, and everybody else is lucky to be there. Then, then now every argument it doesn't mean anything. You have just literally, I mean, it, it was it should have been called the NBA then. It should have been called Will Chamberlain. That's what the game should have been called. The man We're has play Will Chamberlain today. The man has thirty three career games of sixty or more points. Thirty three of sixty or more. Are you kidding me? I mean, and I might want to point out. To and by you, the way, all of these I, games, Tommy, think, he played forty-eight minutes in almost every single one of these games, or or fifty-three minutes. There's one game where he got seventy-eight. That's his second best performance. The game went to let's figure it out. Uh, sixty-three minutes is three overtimes. Game went to triple overtime, and he played all sixty-three minutes. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, and as much as I do think that Wilt is the greatest player in the history of the league. Uh, this past Saturday night up in New York, the Knicks celebrated the 73 World Championship team. Here comes Willis Reed. Uh, a team oh. that had actually had actually six all uh, future Hall of Famers on, on the team. Can I, can I try and to I name them? To can I try to name them? Yeah. See if I, if I can impress sure. you at all. Six future Hall of Famers on that 73 Knicks team. Okay. Willis Reed. Right. Walt Frazier. Right. Dave DeBusher. Right. Uh, Bill Bradley, right? Um, right. Earl Monroe, yes. Okay, the one that people forget coming that's, up. That's five. Um, Phil Jackson. No. Well, he I mean, is in the I, Hall I, of Fame. I'm, Hall of Famers as a player. Okay. Um, as a player. Oh boy. No one ever gets it. Okay. Yeah, give it to me. Jerry Lucas. Oh, Jerry Lucas. Okay. Jerry Lucas is on that team because because Willis was uh, his knee was really running down at that point, and they had traded for Lucas mm-hmm. to basically be their center for a lot of the season. Uh-huh. Uh, but my point is, in in both NBA Finals where Willis Reed faced Will Chamberlain, yeah. Willis Reed was named the MVP of the Finals. I know both times. 70 and 73. He's your favorite player. No, the greatest player in, in the history of the league, and Willis, Willis on basically one leg uh, in 73, outplayed him. Right. All right. Um, you got anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. I, I give you music. I give you games. I give it. I, I do it all for you. Uh, I want to give everybody a heads up. I'm actually going away for the weekend, but I am going to have a show tomorrow. In fact, um, there's going to be two interviews that I have recorded uh, that you'll hear on tomorrow's show, and I think you will enjoy both of them. Um, But in terms of any kind of breaking news, 
Uh, if it's real breaking news, like we have to do it, I'll figure out how to get um, a podcast out. But if not, I'll be back uh, on Tuesday. Um, and there will be something else that I'll put out more likely than not on Monday as well. Uh, Tommy will be back with me on Tuesday as well. Uh, I think we're done for the day. That's it. Okay, boss.